Hey, you're listening to the Better Modesto Show with your hosts. I'm Jim Applegate and my friend Chris Ricky, and we're on Power Talk 1360 KFIB, also live on the iHeartRadio app. And we hope you are having a great Saturday morning already. Hope that you uh, are heading down to the farmers market and getting some of that amazing Portuguese bread already, or something like that, or maybe a cup of coffee in downtown Modesto uh, at our newest Starbucks or Preservation. It's just some great places to hang out today in the city. So, Chris, what are you up to today? Man, I'm I'm on a business trip, believe it or not. But uh, but you know, definitely here to do the the Better Modesto show like we do every week. You are so committed. It doesn't matter where you are around the world. You're in Hawaii. You're in D.C. Um, I remember one time we recorded this show from Jordan. And, uh, that was great was huh? when you were in jordan that was insane it yeah, was like it was three like, in the morning and uh, you didn't even tell me i don't think you were in jordan <laughs> and you're like well it's three in the morning here i'm like what jim yeah. really <laughs> well you know the, it's just wonderful that we have this kind of technology that we can be friends over the miles we can uh, work together we can get things done you can work for the good of our city uh, no matter where you're at. So this is a good thing. My mom, I've actually, so I know you know this, I, I'm a British citizen. I've lived in a different country, 6,000 miles away from my parents for 30 years now. And uh, yet, because of this amazing technology, I feel like we've been able to keep the relationship going and love each other well and take care of each other. So it's just, it's absolutely incredible to have this type of thing and be able to do a show like this. Hey, the world has changed, you know, and when you look at the, the COVID stuff and a lot of it's just really, it's awful. And I hope we get an opportunity to talk a little bit about that today in terms of how it's affecting our community because it's some serious stuff going on, but some good things have come out of it too. You know, the, the ability to um, be in other places, like I'm in DC right now, but you know, I'm still able to connect with all my people in Modesto, just like no one would even, if I didn't say anything, no one would even know I'm gone because I'm still able to, to connect with people every single day and do what all the jobs I need to get done, you know? Yeah. Well, that's fantastic. And, you know, I was thinking, um, you did fly out of Modesto airport, right? I wish. No, I had to drive two (laughs) hours to San Francisco at four in the morning. Oh man! With well, a traffic uh, jam of one thirty-two, you know. That's right. That's right. I, you know, I was actually listening. I was at a meeting last week, and Josh Harder was there. And uh, you know, I asked the question: Is Modesto ever going to seriously work on an airport? And you know, he kind of um, diced around that issue a little bit. And you know, what I would love to see is like Stockton and Modesto get together and come up with a serious solution for uh, a, a local you know, regional airport. And I know Stockton is working on that well, but it would be great to be able to drive 20 minutes to Arch Road and, uh, you know, jump on an airplane and uh, get almost anywhere in the world from there. That would be fantastic. But one thing- I'm all over it. You could do it. You could do it from Stockton. Yeah, you you certainly, I mean, Prime is doing it right now, Amazon Prime. So they've figured out how to break into that market there. Um, But one thing that Josh said that I thought was really interesting was, you know, there's uh, the proof that we have the talent in the valley to do whatever we want to do is the fact that 97,000 people a day leave the valley to go work in the Bay Area. And so he said that oftentimes he has conversations with people in the, in the Bay Area and says, and they say, well, you know, we'd love to, 
move towards the valley, but you don't have the talent over there. And he says, are you kidding me? Like 97,000 people leave the valley every day to work in your business, your businesses in the Bay Area. So the talent is there. And I just thought, you know, that's a, that's, what a great thought by Josh and, uh, and his team and the work that they're doing has, has been very helpful to us. Yeah, they're, they're working hard and they're, you know, they're trying desperately to, you know, build a better future for our, for our community. And I think that part of that, you know, comes back around to things that we've talked on this show previously, you know, like things like Bay Valley tech and training, training our people to be ready for the jobs of the future. Right. Um, yeah. But, you know, Josh is working on those kind of things too. And, I, we're going to get there. We just got to keep pushing, right? That's right. That's right. So um, the question I have for you is, did, was the airplane full? Are people getting back on airplanes, even despite this kind of latest surge in COVID? Yeah, the airplane was packed. It was, there wasn't a seat, seat available on the plane. It was completely full, so. Yeah, that's crazy. It's, uh, it's, it's great to see the airplane or the airlines actually, you know, hopefully making money again. But I wish they would add more flights now because they are jam-packed and it is getting harder to get on an airplane. So what the airplane uh, airport air, airlines are seeing is that the kind of like family oriented and that kind of traveling, leisure traveling is remaining pretty constant, but the business travel hasn't 100% come back yet. Yeah, and that so, makes sense, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, is this the first business trip that you've taken in... in yeah, this is the first business trip I've taken since COVID. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So welcome back to hotels and traveling, and hopefully you get to eat out in DC and have some good food there. I hope so. I mean, it, it, the the trip didn't start out great. We got to our hotel and we um, we spent three hours in the lobby because they couldn't find our reservation. I've never oh. had a hotel do that to me before. Uh, sorry, um, you know if we don't have your reservation. And that was all they said. They just, that was it. They just like left us marooned. And so we're just sitting in the lobby. And then after um, about an hour and a half, the person from behind the desk came back over and said like, well, here's a few options of things you can do maybe to fix this. And then an hour after that, he gave us another choice. And that was finally the one that we did. But (laughs) it was the most, the strangest hotel experience I've ever had. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that's tough because if you if you've been traveling all day long and then you just have to sit there for a few hours, uh, that's difficult. But you know, I'm sure that you are going to leave that um, hotel a good review. Uh, we were talking about this last week on the show that you know Jim Applegate is not very kind in his reviews, and so I I've actually updated my review policy and uh, had more grace and realized that I want to have the same amount of grace with other people that I want given to me. So. I, I did go back through all my reviews. So are you going to leave this hotel a nice review? I'm probably going to leave them a review. <laughs> and I don't know that I'm going to have the same level of grace as, as Jim Applegate. Although I will say that, although, I, you know, that I was tempted to go Karen. Um, we actually kind of, considering we were up at four in the morning and flew all day, I think we were extremely chill about the whole thing, really. I think we were so tired that we couldn't even... Beck and the strength to even fight with a guy, you know? Wow. <laughs> Which is even, I don't even know what to say about that. Yeah. I know. That's it. <laughs> wow. 
Well, it's a, that's a level of tiredness. So, yep. Hey, so what are we going to talk about on the show today? Man, there's so many things going on in our community. And I think the, the thing that makes me feel so confident about where we're headed right now as a community is the level of communication we're, and feedback we're getting just from the average citizens at our, um, and I shouldn't say average, I would say outstanding citizens, you know, at our, at our city council meetings, just regular people coming up and talking to us about our problem. You know, I couldn't believe it, but we had probably half a dozen people um, in person at the city council meeting yesterday talking about um, just struggles they're having with housing, you know? Yeah. Um, and if it feels like we're in a time warp, it's because we have to pre-record the show. So like it actually, we're recording this on Wednesday. <laughs> so that's Even why I said we're yesterday. pretending it's Saturday, right? Now. We have to kind of pretend it's Saturday, right? Like, yeah, I don't Everything know. Could be anyway, full disclosure, yeah. but so, yeah. So I just thought it was really great how people felt comfortable to come and talk to us about these problems and, and encourage us to, to change policies and to try to do something about the housing crisis and it was really inspiring to me that at the end of that meeting, there was a hearing on a new, um, a new housing complex in Modesto. And usually when a housing complex like this comes up for um, approval, there are a chorus of people that are screaming, Please, you know, we don't want this multifamily, you know, complex in our neighborhood and it's bad and et cetera, NIMBY, NIMBY, NIMBY. And we had nothing but support for this project at the meeting and the, the project flew through with no, you know, it, it just, it was a unanimous vote. And it was really, really shows the connection between when the community comes and supports something and, you know, how things actually pass through the government. Man, that's fantastic. And I think that probably attests to the work you're doing, the work the mayor's doing, um, you know, even our radio show, just trying to get the word out there about things. And, you know, we, we try to promote this attitude of sometimes um, you win, sometimes you learn. And, uh, you know, just trying to make it a much more peaceful environment to work in. So it's, uh, man, it's great to hear. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about COVID. We're going to talk about some of the programs that are going on in the city right now and the things you're addressing as our city councilman. We're going to talk about Afghan Afghanistan and the refugee situation and some of them that are being resettled in Modesto right now. So I think we've got a great show lined up today and uh, looking forward to talking about these things. So we're going to need to take a quick break. Uh, you're listening to the Better Modesto show with your host Jim Applegate and Chris Rickey on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. We're also live on the iHeartRadio app and we will see you right after the break. So welcome back. I uh, hope you're having a great Saturday morning, even though we recorded this show on Wednesday. We had full disclosure in our last segment, but um, my hope is that you're wandering around the farmer's market listening to this and having a, you know, a great day already. So you got your iHeartRadio app and you're just listening to it, you know, as you're walking around yeah. the farmer's market, trying yeah, the, the samples. Oh, so good. The phenomenal use of technology. It's, uh, it's, it's so good. So, um, yeah, you're listening you're listening to the Better Modesto show. I mean, that's that's what we're about. We're about making Modesto better. And so today we want to we want to talk a little bit about the COVID situation in Modesto because 
you know, we all know that our county came out and said, mask up again. And, uh, you know, I know 30 people died last week from COVID. So we're definitely in a situation where this is climbing back up again and a little bit scary. So, and Chris, you were telling me that a few people down at the city uh, have actually contracted COVID. Like it's kind of a, an, an unsafe place to be. Is that how you characterize it? Well, it, it's just, it just makes me nervous when, you know, and I'm not going to out anyone specifically. I'm just, you know, people that have, that have uh, offices in, on my floor near my office. It's just, it's scary to think that like, you know, a number of people in my direct proximity, you know, got the disease in the last, you know, week. And that's, that's not great, you know. Well, I um, think it's that, pretty terrifying and seeing how sick they are, it's sad. You know, it's it's not fun for them. And I feel bad for them and their families. And unfortunately, they're not in the hospital or anything, but it's just it's just not great. Yeah, well, I, I can tell you definitely as a church, as a pastor in our community, we've been praying for people and, uh, you know, just seeing what we can do to support them. And, you know, one thing that I would just point out is that some of those people who are working at the city, they know they're taking a risk by being there. And uh, we just want to appreciate the fact that they're stepping out, um, taking some risk. I mean, it, it's, I, I don't think that COVID is going to be over anytime soon. Um, you know, if we look at historical pandemics, they usually last three to five years. And we're about 18 months, two years into this. And uh, so, you know, it's, it, it's going to last a little while longer and we're going to see these ups and downs. So, I think probably most significant right now, the reason why it's climbing again is because of what's going on in our schools. Is that, is that probably true? I, I think the schools have, you know, a big impact on it. I, I wish that we were more aggressive in our testing regiments with the kids. Um, I know the federal government has been working on a potential program to test kids every week, that kind of thing, so that we can try to get, you know, a little bit of get it a little bit under control but it just hasn't materialized and so what ends up happening is you know my kid has been exposed to COVID I think three times already you know um just since school started which is so does that mean insane. you quarantine or is that is that the kind of the, the protocol of the schools right now is quarantine kids or how does that work well yes um if he had not been vaccinated uh he would have had to quarantine, which means he would have spent most of this year's school year um, at home rather than at school, which is crazy because every time you get exposed, you have to stay home for 10 days. So, or is it, yeah, maybe it's five days. I think it's five days, yeah. but it's still a long time, you know? And, yeah. Yeah. Um, but if you're, if you're vaccinated, if your kid's vaccinated, so, you know, I recommend that, but that's just me. Um, you don't have to, you don't have to go home. You can stay at school, which is what he wants. Yeah, I have uh, two daughters who are teachers. Uh, one teaches at a high school level and the other one teaches at a, a elementary school level. And they certainly appreciate the way the school districts have handled things and the, you know, the, the, the protocols that they've set up. So I appreciate our school districts and, you know, the amount of uh, pushback they get. And yet they're dealing with them well. So thanks to Minnesota City Schools, the Sylvan School District, the Series Unified, to all the, the great schools within our um, area, the, the listening radius of our show here. Yeah, I mean, they are, they really, what a rough position to be in, especially with 
somehow this disease has become kind of a politically, you know, uh, charged issue. I'm not sure, not sure how that happened, but it did. And, you know, the schools have people of, you know, with politics on both sides that they're dealing with that are, you know, that's just got to be a really rough situation for them. You got to empathize with what they're going through. Yeah. Well, I remember when we had Dr. V on our show, um, probably six months ago now, um, what a great time we had talking with her. And then she just, you know, wanted to elaborate on the idea that this is a virus, that it doesn't really care if you're a Republican or a Democrat, if you're what color you are, what age or gender you are, it just comes, it's a virus. And so with that, it's, it's, I think it is really important for us to think through the implications of that and just remember that county health, health experts are there for a reason and they're helping us for a reason. Yeah, and I mean, I, I take my hat off to Dr. V, you know, doing this mask mandate, um, making this, um, you know, a rule that we all have to follow ideally. Um, it's very courageous in this environment. Yeah, that's for sure. And uh, yeah, just encourage people, you know, um, the sooner we get through this, the quicker everybody gets back to work and all that sort of thing. So, and listen, if you have COVID right now and you're struggling, our hearts go out to you. And, uh, you know, we really want to be a community that helps each other and takes care of one another. And if you're one of those people, um, you know, with some sort of an illness or something that makes you really prone to this, um, we're, you know, I, I feel for you as well. And, uh, you know, I've got several friends have, who are immunocompromised who are trying to, you know, figure out how to deal with this. And so, you know, just remembering that the, the problem is much greater than a healthy um, person. And, uh, you know, we're trying to protect everybody in our community. And I think that's a, that's a great thought that we want to be, um, you know, we keep saying at our church, we're in the city for the city. We want to we want to be here for the good of the community. And so all of our actions affect everybody else. That's what it means to be a community. And so just thinking through that, um, you know, and how we can be kind to one another. And so I just want to say thanks to the citizens of our city, of our county, um, for, you know, for being here for the good of the city. And then also just a request to step up and, uh, you know, do your part. And remember that your actions affect everybody in our community. It's not just your bubble, like it's um, everybody gets affected. And I think the schools um, probably show us that more than anything. Yeah, I mean, and that's, I wish that we had more of that kind of thinking where we're, we as a community are thinking about how our actions impact other people. I wish we had more of that kind of spirit going on. So, uh, wow, that's, yeah, that's, that's what we need to be doing. Yeah, well, just encouraging one another. And, you know, we realize there's several reasons to get vaccinated, not to get vaccinated, and we respect all of those. Um, but also just encourage people, hey, go the extra mile for the for the neighbor around you um, and ask that neighbor to go the extra mile for you because that that's ultimately what's going to make us a, a great city, a great community. Hey, I wanted to circle back um, real quick. When you were talking about uh, pandemics, you taught, you were teaching me something here. I didn't realize that pandemics traditionally last three to five years. I thought it was more like a 24 month thing. I and mean, it seemed like the Spanish flu was kind of a 1918 to 1920 kind of thing. What, tell me more about what you learned about uh, the history of pandemics. Yeah, so I'm, I'm definitely not a great historian. Um, 
I did get a minor in history in college and loved it. And I love reading about history. Uh, but I've, you know, as I've read different articles and different things that I've seen, um, you know, the majority of the, the pandemics that, that we have historically have lasted three to five years. And, you know, that's, that's taking into account them going all the way around the world. So, you know, the way New Zealand and Australia are handling, handling this pandemic is very different than the way that we are handling the pandemic. And, you know, ultimately, I don't know what's going to happen in Australia or in New Zealand, because it seems like they're going to be a little bit slower on the uptake of trying to build herd immunity than countries that have just opened their borders and said, you know, we're going to do our best through the vaccines. But what that's going to do is it's going to continue to um, elongate uh, the, you know, the pandemic. And, uh, you know, we're just learning and growing, right? So this is, you know, I mean, even back in the Spanish flu, architecture changed and, you know, hospitals changed. And in fact, my daughter just started a school in New York and I was asking her if her radiator was underneath her window. And she says, yeah, it's underneath the window. And I said, I said to her, hey, that's because of the last pandemic. And, uh, you know, what happened was they were dealing with that Spanish flu and they realized that they left their windows open uh, that it would spread less. And so they, you know, obviously it's freezing cold in New York. So what they did was they began to change their architecture, putting the radiators underneath the windows and in some way trying to heat the air before it came in. And, uh, you know, they would just crank up those radiators, trying to keep the building warm, but also, um, you know, trying to... Trying oh, to that, that is air. brilliant. Oh my God. Can you imagine New York in the winter, like the windows open? Oh. God. Yeah, but it's, uh, uh, you know, it's just brilliant though. I love it. Through. Yeah. Yeah. So we, you know, we start to, I mean, we were talking earlier about how technology right now has been changing because of COVID and, you know, our working habits and so forth, but, you know, architecture, all these things shift because of pandemics and we can see that over the years. So, Hey, we got to take a quick break, but we're going to come back and talk about this more after the break. So you're listening to uh, the Better Modesto Show with your hosts, Jim Applegate and Chris Rickey on Power Talk 1360 KFIV and also live on the iHeart Radio app. So we'll see you right after the break. You're listening to the Better Modesto Show with your hosts, Jim Applegate, Chris Rickey. He's on assignment in uh, D.C. this week. And you're listening on Power Talk 1360 KFIV, also live on the iHeart Radio app. And Chris, before the break, we we're talking about, you know, the effects of pandemics and, you know, even architecture changing. And I, the other thing that I, I wanted to just, just say really quickly was, you know, there's a lot of balconies that are on second stories. If you walk through the Canada the College area neighborhood that was built, you know, in the 30s, there's a lot of balconies that are second story. And that is a direct result of the pandemic too, because people said, hey, I want to be outside and I want to say hi to people as they're walking by, but I don't want to be within touching distance of them. And so they would build these outside patio, second story balconies so they could look down. And so, here I thought it just because they wanted to throw beads at people. <laughs> so <laughs> it's going to be fascinating to see, you know, at the end of this COVID pandemic, how, you know, how the world has changed and obviously technology is going to be the largest part of that, but um, yeah, it's, it's great. So 
hey, just continuing to encourage people to be safe out there and be in the city for the city, to, to be for the good of the community. So, Chris, I want to change our attention to talking about what's going on in the city. So can you tell us, like, what is city council dealing with right now? What's what's going on? Well, we've got a lot going on right now. Um, the things that people are really talking about and really the, the emails I'm getting, uh, still tons and tons of attention on forestry. Uh, I get dozens of requests every week from people having problems with their trees um, as a result of uh, previous policies in terms of how we take care of our city trees. And so it's just kind of like we've hit this real you know, breaking point where lots of the trees are dying and it's all happening at once and it's kind of hitting us really hard like a giant wave. So working hard to try to fix that and making some good moves there. Um, so let's just pause there for a second. I want to ask you a question about that. So the way I understand it was about 10 years ago, we had to make some pretty hard decisions as a city uh, because of the financial crisis we were in. And one of those was to eradicate kind of the people who are city workers who went around and pruned trees. Is that right? Is that, it's is basically, that yeah, it's just, you know, after 08, we had dramatic losses in revenue um, and the city had to cut everything dramatically. I mean, when you go from a $400 million budget to a $300 million budget, I mean, I'm estimating here, but it was kind of that dramatic though. Um, you have to cut, you have to make dramatic cuts. And so yeah. we did. And uh, the money has come back a little bit, but we have not, you know, until this year, really, we haven't been able to put as much into forestry as we probably should have. So, yeah, I, my favorite quote this year that I saw was today's problems are because of yesterday's solutions. <laughs> that is so true. I mean, like, I don't want to, I'm not trying to throw anyone under the bus here. You know, it's like, I understand. No, they, they did what they needed they, to do. That's, right? that's exactly right. Like they, they, they were put, in a really impossible position but so what we're doing is because they were put in that impossible situation and they solved the problems that they were dealing with on that end we are in a new position now that we need to deal with and that's what we're doing right on so tell me i know this is particularly uh, a pressing problem in the downtown area where we have old trees but is this what your other city councilmen are and women are saying and what the mayor is saying too is this like a citywide problem so it's really, it affects um, three of the districts disproportionately to the others. Um, so Zalaki's district, um, Jenny's district, and my district. So that's what, five, three, and four, I think Zalaki's four. I don't know. Anyway, it's those, those three districts um, that are disproportionately affected due to the age of those districts, right? So those are the oldest districts in the city. So it's the Loma College area, and then kind of North Central Modesto. Yeah, yeah, um, out, out towards Modesto Bowl, that kind of but, but with the caveat that those, because they're the oldest districts, they also don't have things like um, Mellow Roos set up to deal with the trees, right? So if you look at like Village One, we made a lot of mistakes in Village One, but one of the things we did right was that there was Melarus set up so that there are funds to take care of the trees in, you know, that the property owners pay every year. So you're never going to have the tree problems in Village One that you have in the rest of the city because it's all 
it's already budgeted. Yeah, I'll tell you, before I moved downtown, I lived out kind of by Byer High School in Modesto, and I used to love running around uh, Village One because the trees, the areas are so beautiful, and uh, they do a good job of just taking care of that place. So yeah, would love to see that happen in all parts of our city. And I know that's something that you guys are working towards right now, trying to study uh, the ways that we could actually have a mellow ruse type tax. Is that is that how this is working? I mean, it's one of the options, right? And okay. the good thing about the, this kind of tax is that the, the homeowners will get to decide if it's something they want to do. I think for me, it would probably like as a homeowner, for me, it would make sense. I'd rather pay $100 a year or whatever, whatever the number has to be. I don't know. It could be 200, could be 50. I don't know, but there's a, it'll be a number somewhere in that neighborhood probably. Um, but I'd rather pay a hundred dollars a year every year. And then when my tree needs some major cutting that would cost $2,000 that it's just handled, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, as opposed yeah. to, you know, having to come up with $2,000 to, to handle a tree or remove a stump or whatever, you know? Yeah. So yeah. that's what I think it works better for me, but I, we'll see. We have to see if everyone else in our community agrees. Yeah, I'm super glad that you are working on that and fixing it. And then you also told me something about the chat program. Can you tell us about that? What's happening? Yeah. So the chief, like the chief came up with this idea when I was talking the to the chief of police, right? This chief is of the, police. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I just call Brandon Chief all the chief, you know. Figure everyone knows who I'm talking about, but yeah. So <laughs> we have a lot of chiefs in our town. So we do. No yeah. disrespect to the fire department either. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I was talking to him about you know what he's about cahoots and you know mental health oriented policing for lots of our community. Because if you look at our calls, it's like ten thousand calls a year, perhaps up to twenty thousand calls a year, just for mental health or homeless related problems. And so those are calls that our, our uniformed sworn officers are dealing with that, to me, aren't a good use of a uniformed or a sworn officer. Like, they should be out solving violent crime or, you know, you know property crimes, theft, you know, right. all these things right. that are just that we really can't tolerate. As opposed to, like, a homeless person who is a person that's struggling at life, you know, and needs they need a helping hand. They don't need to be thrown in jail, right? Then we need to figure out if they've got a drug addiction, how to get them motivated to go to, you know, to get that dealt with, you know? Yeah. yeah. But anyway, yeah. so Brandon came up with this idea. He's like, I've got this idea for this chat program. And, and basically this program is going to be kind of social workers that are working under the banner of the police department to kind of go out into the community and help people with, you know, mental issues, addiction issues, homelessness issues, all those kind of things um, to, to try to take some of that stress off of the, uh, off the police department, and off the sworn officers and deal with it more effectively, frankly. Yeah. So instead of sending our highly paid, highly skilled, highly trained officers, you know, it's, it's sort of like, man, you got to, you got to send the right people out who are trained specifically for these issues, right? It's more like social workers rather than police, uh, police officers. Is that right? That's what you're, yeah. That's what I'm saying. But also you can't just send social workers out, right? They also need to have that police backup in the sense of like that sometimes when you're dealing with someone who's on methamphetamine or whatever, if they've got psychosis, they could be like legitimately dangerous and legitimately violent. 
And yeah. so you need to be able to have that connection to the police department that if something's getting out of control, that you do have that enforcement um, lever that you can pull in the, you know, break that glass if you, if you absolutely have to, right? Like you don't never want to do that, but if you have to, you have to, you know? Yeah. So is there a place that citizens of Modesto and our area can go to to see the wins that are happening in, uh, in Modesto right now uh, with the chat program specifically? Well, not yet. I mean, keep in mind that the chat program right now is like, it's like six officers or, you know, six people. They're not, they're not police officers, but there's six, you know, social workers out there in the community that's dealing with a population, you know, just if you're just talking about the homeless, you know, over just over 2000 people. So they're working and they're responding to calls, but they're not they're not hitting the call volume we need to yet to really start making like scientific conclusions on the results yet. And so I, I think we're kind of more in like, we're in an experimental stage right now. And like, I was talking to the chief uh, the other day about it. And he's like, you know, you're out there talking about the chat program and like, we're just kind of launching this and just starting to figure it out right now. So like, <laughs> I'm like, should I stop talking about it? He's like, nah, you're cool. I'm like, all right, I'm going to keep talking about it then. <laughs> We're just going to help the public set some huge expectations and, uh, and, and hope our police department can measure up to that. So. Well, I just want people to know that the police department is actively trying to do this. I think that's, that's right. the most important part. Like they are, they are hearing you and they hear what you want and they're, they're trying and that they should get points for that. Yeah. Yeah. That's for sure. So, okay. We need to take a quick break again, but uh, when we come back, I want to touch on, I know unemployment benefits ended uh, earlier this week. And so I want to talk about how that's going to affect our city. And then also want to talk about Afghanistan refugees being resettled in Modesto. So, and uh, maybe something about the homelessness and the drug issue too, that you guys are facing with the city council. So you're listening to the Better Modesto Show. We're on Power Talk 1360 KFIV and also live on the iHeartRadio app. We'll see you right after the break. All right, welcome back. You're listening to the Better Modesto Show with your host, Jim Applegate and Chris Rickey. And we're on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Also, hope you're listening on the iHeartRadio app today as you're wandering around Modesto, enjoying hopefully the sunshine and farmer's market, different things are happening in our community. So Chris, right before the break, we were talking about the chat program, but I also wanted to ask you, what is city council doing right now in regards to homelessness and even some of the the you know, the bigger issues, which is some of the drug issues inside the homeless community. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're talking, you know, and we're all working together to find solutions on this stuff. And so some of the solutions that we're kind of like teeing up, trying to get done, um, include uh, safe parking for people that are living in their cars, safe motorhome parking for people that are living in motorhomes. Um, and we're also working on some, some new camping areas that can um, you know, capitalize on the lessons we learned and the mistakes we made, you know, in the Moe's development that we had under the bridge. Yeah, Modesto so, Outdoor Shelter Moe's. Yeah, so I never knew what that acronym stand for, stood for, so thanks for, yeah. There's so many acronyms. <laughs> oh know. my gosh, that's one thing you learn. If you start working with government, they have an acronym for everything, so... And you just have to stop and ask because it's like, what does that stand for? And uh, it's probably some program that somebody has been working on for 20 years that our tax dollars, tax dollars have been funding, but we just don't know what it is. So 
Yeah, but it's like the things I mentioned, like, so it sounds like, oh, that's easy. Just like put those in place, you know, and it's not easy. You know, I've been working on those three issues for several months already. Um, we're starting to see some traction on the safe parking and on the motorhome stuff. I haven't made enough progress on the camping part yet, but I'm working on it. Um, and I've got lots of partners in the government that are helping too, and people in the community that are helping. But like the most important thing we can do especially when you look at what's going on in some of our parks, for example, you know, our parks are essentially like day centers for, for people that are unhoused right now. And that's, it's not, it's, it's, it's not a good thing or a bad thing. It just is what it is because we don't have someplace else that um, makes sense for them to spend time at. Um, that's where they're going to be. Um, and that's a choice we're making right now as a community. So if we want people to make a different choice, then we as a community need to give them a different choice, a place that's safe, a place that's comfortable, a place where they can have their stuff. Um, that's just, the, those are the choices we have to make. Otherwise, they are welcome in the parks. They are American citizens. They can hang out. That's not illegal, you know? Yeah, and I, I can hear some people saying, well, okay, so what about making it uncomfortable in the parks for them? so that they would be more comfortable somewhere else. What, do you, what would you say to that? <laughs> I would say, um, I, don't, I don't think it's legal, number one, um, but I also think it's just not, it, it's just like whack-a-mole. If you make them uncomfortable one place, they're just going to go somewhere else. And that's, yeah. to me, that's not really, that's not a good, that's not a good solution. And I don't like to treat other people like that. Even if it's someone that's having, you know, a drug problem or an alcohol related problem or a mental problem, right? Just these are people that to me that should motivate us to find ways to help them more, you know, rather yeah. than beating them up or sending them on their way or marching them to a camp or whatever. <laughs> I don't know. So it just yeah. put them in jail. Like it just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, you used that acronym earlier. It's NIMBY, which means not in my backyard, because you've never heard that uh, acronym. Um, but yeah, if we all say not in my backyard, then whose backyard is it, is it going to be in? Because it's got to be in somebody's backyard. And so we somehow we've got to band together as a community, see people as people, and uh, you know have the compassion, the empathy to somehow help in these situations. And that doesn't always mean making it easy. I mean, sometimes that may mean making very tough decisions uh, for people. Um, but at the same time, you know, we've got to band together as a community to do this. And I, I appreciate the city council's work, our city manager's work, um, even the Stanislaus County and the way that they're coming together to really focus on this. And I love the, I, I can't remember if we were talking about this on air or off air, but you were talking about um, a new housing development uh, and you didn't get any pushback from that. So people were actually saying, hey, you know, we would love to have this new housing development in our area uh, for the good of the community. Is that kind of a... Yeah, I mean, it was, th that's exactly right. Like we, we had, you know, half a dozen people talk in public comment about housing and how they needed it. And then, you know, there was a vote on this particular issue and it was a multifamily, you know, basically a mini apartment complex, which historically when those go up, you know, raised people get, you know, upset about that kind of thing. It went, went really well. So like, that's, that's definitely, you know, a direction we need to go, yeah. you know, but I also think, I don't want people to think that, you know, it's all puppy dog tails on the homeless side and, that, and that's all the solutions. I mean, part of it 
part of some of this stuff, you know, when you look at our parks, for example, which is one of the main problems that I'm dealing with on a daily basis, it's trees first and then, um, and then the problems that we're having in our parks, um, you know, the, the issues that I'm really super concerned about are like, is like the drug dealing and the needles and, you know, that kind of thing. And for that, we need, you know, actual enforcement. And I think park rangers is a very good solution. Um, just having a regular presence of a park ranger in that, in the park would not only give the chat workers who are actually connecting all these dots, right? The insights that like, hey, you know, Jerry over there, I think he's ready for some help chat worker. Maybe you could connect him with the AA program over at this church and let's get him some, he's ready. You know, like that person to person insight recon at the same time, being a presence there that lets the drug dealers know, like, you're going to go to jail if you keep doing this here, because I'm watching you every day and I can testify, you know, like we, we've just got to keep connecting dots and, and, and keep finding solutions that are, so it's not just helping people. There's also like, if you've got people that are doing things that are damaging our community, like distributing drugs, like that has to be dealt with. And that's yeah. a law enforcement issue. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Well, I appreciate how you're bringing ideas from other communities. I know, you know, what you're talking about with the chat program is a, is a result of studying the Kahoot program. Um, yeah. Another community and, and, yeah, that's community. in Eugene, Oregon. And actually, um, uh, Chief Gillespie and I are, are thinking about going up to um, Eugene in the next couple of months to actually tour their, tour their facilities, maybe do a ride along with them and kind of figure out, just get some insights from exactly how they're doing it and how it works on the ground there because it's just working so well for them. Yeah. That's fantastic. So um, just quickly dealing with another issue, unemployment, the end of the extended COVID benefits this week. So how do you think that's going to affect our community? I think it might, I think it might have a mostly positive impact. I think that people, there's, there's a lot of jobs out there right now. And I think that people will be able to go out there and find them. Um, I think that with the schools still open, um, that's going to help a lot. You know, one of the problems that we had last year that impacted the employment issues was just like kids being at home. You know, right. my wife and I were lucky because we were able to work from home, work remotely. So when our kids were home, although it made working difficult, we were able to keep working. But if you worked at a restaurant or at an auto repair shop or wherever, you couldn't be at home and take care of your kids and, you know, change of transmission. It's not yeah. going to happen. So I think it should be relatively easier for people now with uh, the schools and, and businesses being open again to kind of transition back into the workforce. What do you think? Well, I think that, um, I think, yeah, it's going to be a positive thing for our community because I think a lot of restaurants, a lot of um, industry leaders, a lot of employers I talk to are looking for employees. And so I would just encourage everybody who is, you know, thinking about getting back to work, do it quickly. Um, because I think you're going to have, um, you know, some of the best jobs that are available uh, to you. And, you know, I, as a pastor, I get calls all the time. Do you know anybody who could come to work? And so I, you know, I have several leads on full-time and part-time work. A guy called me the other day and said, I have eight full-time positions, four part-time positions. They come with full benefits. Can you help me? And I think that's a normal cry in our community right now, which is a great thing uh, for the 
to the people who actually want to go back to work. Yeah, it's world, it's world like turned on its head. I remember just like two and a half years ago, if I would post something about someone that was, you know, that had a job for 15 or $20 an hour, like you would have 500 applicants. Um, And now it's the opposite. And that's just, I, yeah, I don't know. It's crazy. It is crazy. But uh, thankful for all the employers and the Desto and the work that you're doing to keep people employed and, you know, just appreciate the difficulties and uh, affirm those during this season as well, even trying to, to find employees. So thankful that this is actually, you know, like we said earlier, today's solution or today's problems are because of yesterday's solutions. The unemployment benefits actually created a problem. Now let's hope that the way that we're going to remedy that is actually going to create better solutions and we're not going to you know, just kick something down the road here. So yep. the, other, the other thing I just wanted to mention briefly was the Afghanistan refugees. You know, we see a few of these resettled in our area and just want to put a shout out to International Rescue Committee and then also World Relief in Modesto. We're helping settle um, Afghanistan refugees in our area. And if you're interested in helping in that process, um, you can contact those organizations because there's some really great work going on with resettling people in our community. And, uh, you know, we just want to point out the fact that 30 years ago, uh, Assyrians uh, got resettled in our area and they have become a tremendous part of who we are and the workforce here. In fact, one of my favorite people in all of Manesto is Marianne Cannon, who is a Syrian. And, uh, you know, that's part of that resettlement and part of her coming to our community that has made Modesto so great. So we, if you're a brand new Afghanistan re- refugee to Modesto and you're just listening to our program, we want to say welcome to you. And uh, we hope we can take care of you in our community. Yeah, we have such a huge opportunity here to welcome uh, new people into our community and to, and to just, to, to just add a new facet of diversity and, you know, into, into Modesto. And I think it's just, it's very exciting and it's going to be a positive thing. Just like I look at how many great relationships I have with people from our Syrian community and how much they enrich it and make our community better. This is going to do the same thing. And we're very, we're blessed to have them. Yeah. Right on. Well, Hey, we are out of time for today. I can't believe how quickly this hour has gone by and, uh, Chris, any thoughts on what we're going to get to look forward to next week? <laughs> well, I, hopefully we'll have some updates on some of the things we've been talking about, um, you know, but I'm sure we'll have, well, we're going to have more than, more than enough to talk about for sure. That's right. And maybe even some guests on our program as well. Uh, we've been trying to wrangle in some guests. And uh, if you'd like to be a guest on our show, make sure you contact us. We'd love to talk with you I'd love to answer any of your questions about our city as well so hey you've been listening to the better Modesto show with your host jim applegate and chris ricky we're on power talk 1360 kfiv this great radio station that encourages and helps our community get the information out there we're also live on the iheart radio app and hey we're we hope that you can make Modesto better today and uh, have a great week we will see you next saturday